Good morning, First Church. It's so good to see everyone. Scripture says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Will you guys grab your bulletins, please? We're going to stand and prepare for worship by singing the prelude together, the goodness of God.
Amen. You may be seated. Well, welcome to our service of worship here at First Church in New Knoxville today. We're so glad you've all decided to join us as we worship the Lord together. He is certainly good, and He certainly deserves our worship and our praise. We also want to extend a welcome to those that are listening on the radio and watching online. Um, we're thankful that you're able to join us and as we worship the Lord together, even though you're not physically able to be with us here in the sanctuary today. There are several announcements that I want to draw your attention to this morning. Today, the white rose on the altar is in honor of Alyssa Vogel, who is being baptized this morning. There will be a wonderful Wednesday meal this coming Wednesday. The menu is in the bulletin. If you need a meal delivered, we invite you to call the church office um, as soon as possible to let us know so we can make those arrangements. We invite you to mark your calendar now for our praise and prayer night on Sunday, March 27th, here in the sanctuary at 7 p.m. That night of Praise and prayer will be led by our praise team, an opportunity to reflect on the death and resurrection of Christ as we prepare our hearts for Easter. Also want to let you know, as a congregation, um, we have, uh, excuse me, at the consistory at the February 21st meeting, um, appointed Jack Jack Shralicky to fill the vacant elder position, um, and that will, um, that is expiring in January of 2025. Um, at the next annual meeting, the congregation will have an opportunity to approve that nomination to fill that spot. Also, on another note, um, I look out and notice we are a little sparse this morning. I think that has something to do with time change, but it also has something to do with uh, the girls' basketball team, and they're, they're competing in the state basketball tournament this weekend. Do you want to say congratulations to the girls' basketball team as they finished the season yesterday as the District 4 state runners-up? What an incredible season and an incredible year it has been for those girls. A volleyball state championship in November and now a second place finish in basketball. After their win in the semifinals on on Friday, I read an incredible article posted on Press Pros Magazine, and it featured a quote from Ellie Gable during the post-game press conference. She said, we no longer play to win a state championship. We play to bring joy to our community and to our team. There's more to the game. That's what we play for. And that's exactly what they did. See, life is more than wins and losses. They showed us hard work, determination, and what teamwork can accomplish. And yes, they certainly brought a lot of joy to the community as well. We loved watching them compete. You all played hard. You gave it everything you had, and you never gave up. And you should be proud of yourselves. The entire New Knoxville community is certainly proud of you. Thanks to the coaches, players, and families for a great season. And congratulations to them. This time, I want to invite you to stand, if you're able, as we read our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 103, 1 through 12. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I invite you to remain standing as we sing our praise songs this morning, 10,000 Reasons and Reckless Love.
this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God.
Amen. You may be seated. This time, at this time, I'd like to invite forward uh, Cody and Nikki Vogel, as long with their daughter Alyssa, for the sacrament of holy baptism. At this time, I also want to invite forward Ryan and Maddie Gorby, who are the godparents. Thank you. I'm going to steal that. Oops, sorry. <laughs> well, good morning. It is quite the family affair, isn't it? It's always a good thing. And that's what this is about. We just sang about God's love, um, his unending love for us. And, and baptism is an opportunity for us to express that. And that's what we are going to, going to be doing today. Baptism is opportunity. It's in, when I said family affair, this is grandpa over here too, which is really important, right? Um, this is an opportunity for you as a family to, to come around Alyssa and to celebrate her. You know, a lot of the attention and focus obviously is on her today. Um, but this is really a family commitment that you're making to raise her in the Lord, to know and love and serve him. And that's our prayer for her today. And it's a commitment that you guys are making to raise her in the Lord so that she can make that decision as she gets older. So at this time, I want to invite you to hear the words of Jesus, an invitation and a promise offered to us all. In Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command that the church baptizes believers in their children. In Acts chapter 2, after delivering that first sermon on the day of Pentecost, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you, do, you desire, excuse me, do you desire that Alyssa be baptized today? Praise God. And so Alyssa, obviously a little too young to, to offer some sort of profession of faith on her own. So in her stead, I invite you, her parents, and also her godparents to, re, to answer the following questions. Do you tru, truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? Do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you both shall live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers? Praise God. And church family, I said this is a family affair, but it's also a church family affair. This is an opportunity for us to come together as a church family and also uh, announce and proclaim that faith that we believe. So I encourage you to repeat the Apostles' Creed with me. The words are printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, 
the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you've made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child. Draw her to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. May she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents, that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I mentioned, you know, Alyssa gets all the attention and focus today, but the commitment that's being made today is really on on your behalf as parents and as godparents to come alongside them and support them in this. And so I invite you to uh, to hear these hear the, to make that vow to commit to raise her in the Lord and to pass on that faith that we just heard proclaimed through your profession of faith in the Apostles' Creed. And so since you've presented Alyssa for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. Do you promise to instruct Alyssa by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. As I said, church family, we have a part to play in this as well. And that's our, our, we have an opportunity to come alongside them and support them and disciple them as they seek to do the same with Alyssa. So church family, I encourage you to, to do just that. And we do it in formal ways like Sunday school classes and youth group and, and Bible studies and Sunday morning church, but we also do it in informal ways through encouragement and support and a kind word every once in a while. And so church family, let's promise and pledge to come alongside them and help them as they fulfill this vow to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, as we receive Alyssa into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her and assist them all to be Christ's faithful disciples. With joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you and to help you know and follow Christ. Alyssa, I invite you to come to me. I know mom's not going anywhere. It's okay. Alyssa, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, the free gift of salvation that is made available through the death, his death and resurrection, thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Alyssa, that you would bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit, unfold to her the riches of your love, deepen her faith, and keep her from the power of evil. Enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. May she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also ask that you look with kindness on Cody and Nikki. Let them always rejoice in the gift you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Alyssa to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
before you guys sit down, we have a Bible uh, to pass on to you guys. And just our prayer for you is that you spend time reading that Bible and, and learning about God's unending love together through that. So congratulations. As, as they go find their seats, we want to invite you, uh, our children, to come forward for children's chat. And if you have a moment to take, we encourage you to greet your neighbor. Good morning. Good morning. I think time change has gotten to us. Good morning. It's only a little better, but we're going to take it. We're tired, right? Okay, so today we're going to talk about worry. What is worry? When you're scared. When you're scared. Sad. Yeah, maybe sad. If you're a little anxious that something's going to happen or you just don't know. So. I have a backpack. Or you're freezing. Yeah. Um, So I have a backpack here. And when we talk about worries, I'm going to put our worries in a backpack. So all these books represent the things we're worried about. So what do you worry about? What things? Hmm? Jesus. Jesus. What do you worry about? Parents. Yep, our parents. We always want to make sure they're okay. What else? Fire, okay. What else do we worry about? Animals. What about our health, maybe? Or um, what about if, who's going to sit by us at lunch? The house falling down. Oh, you're starting a renovation project. That makes sense. <laughs> so. There's a lot of things that we worry about, whether it's health, whether it's our house, our parents, maybe who's going to sit by us at lunch or whether or not we're going to have friends. All of those things can worry us, right? So this backpack, before I put all the worries in, was pretty light, but now it's, it's kind of heavy, right? Because our worries weigh us down. But guess what? Scripture tells us that we don't have to carry the things that we worry about alone. So this heavy backpack, guess who helps us carry that? Jesus, yes. Jesus and God, yes. And God, he takes care of everything, right? He takes care of the birds. He takes care of us. And the birds don't worry, right? What? Yeah. And so... Yeah. So... God takes care of all of our worries. He takes care of everything. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of everything. He provides for them. And guess what? 
he does the same for us. And scripture tells us to give all of our worries and cares to God because he cares about us. So we don't have to carry this stuff alone, and he doesn't want us to. He wants us to give our worries to him and say, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I need you to help me, okay? So I want you to remember that this week. Whenever you start to worry about something or get nervous about something, that Jesus tells us that we can give all of our worries, all of the things that we're scared about, to him because he cares for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you promised to take care of us, and we trust you with that, Lord. We have things that we worry about, but we know that you can handle it, Lord, because you are so much stronger than we are, Lord, and you want us to give you our worries and our fears and all of those things, Lord, because you love us and because you can handle anything and everything, Lord. We thank you that you take such good care of us and that nobody is like you, Lord. And so we thank you for all that you are and all that you do and ask that you would be with us this week. Amen. All right, guys, you can go back to your seats. Amen. Thanks, Tori. Thanks, kids. So we turn our attention to the offering now uh, during our service. I want to draw your attention to the blue jug once again. Um, that'll be on the steps. This is there last week and it'll be there for a couple more weeks as well. Um, in addition to the offering today that goes to support the Barnabas ministry led by Dr. David Kimberly, um, if you feel led to support uh, Samaritan's Purse disaster relief efforts in Ukraine and the surrounding areas, um, that's what the blue jug is for. So the offering today that will be collected is going to support uh, the Barnabas ministry. But in addition to that, if you feel led to to give to support Samaritan's Purse relief efforts in Ukraine, um, you can do that through the blue jug, and that will continue to be there for a few more weeks. Um, at this time, I do want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect our offering.
Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father God, we are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for the opportunity to gather here as your family, as your people, to praise your name and through music, to lift up your name through prayer, and, in a, and also hear from your word, Lord. We are so grateful because we know that without you, we have nothing. That apart from you, we have no good gift. And so we ask, Lord, for your presence to move in this place today. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which is your presence with us to, to strengthen us and guide us. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself through his death and resurrection that our sins would be forgiven. And Father, we thank you for your guidance and your care and your provision throughout our earthly lives from the the first moments of our life till our last. Father, you are our good shepherd. You are the one who provides and cares for us. And so we praise your name here this morning. And because we know that you are good and because we know that you are faithful, Lord, we can come to you with our own concerns and burdens. We ask, Lord, that for you to work according to your will in our lives. For those that are hurting, we ask, Lord, for for comfort. For those that are sick, we ask for healing. And for those who are in need, Lord, we ask for your provision. And we ask these things according to your will because we know, Lord, that your will is what's best for us. Lord, sometimes we we have a plan in place and we think we know what we need. But Lord, we lift up these concerns and these situations to you, trusting, Lord, that your will is what's best. As Jesus prayed in the garden and demonstrated for us what true faith and obedience looks like, he said, not my will, but yours be done. That's our prayer here this morning. And so, Lord, we also lift up those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. So once again, we do pray for our state leaders. We pray for our governor. We pray for our state legislature and courts and other elected and appointed officials that they may have wisdom to to lead well. They may have hunger and thirst after your righteousness, Lord, that they would be satisfied. And we pray for your leaders here in this church. We thank you this day for our elders. We pray, Lord, that you would equip them and, and strengthen them as they seek to serve this church. And I pray, Lord, that you would instill them within them, Lord, uh, the gifts of your spirit, the fruit of your spirit, that they may lead well. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Invite Zach Ford for a scripture reading. Today's scripture is First Peter chapter five, verse one through seven. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, 
as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves in humility towards one another, because God opposed the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore God's mighty hand, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Thank you, Zach. Let's pray again. Father God, we thank you for this day. And, and again, thank you for the, the privilege it is to gather in this place and hear from your word. I pray as we do so this morning that you would guide our hearts and minds into all truth. And that Holy Spirit, you would give me words to speak. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are going to continue our, our journey here through First Peter. And as you can see, if you're following along with us, we are beginning the final chapter. Chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7 here today and finishing out chapter 5 next Sunday. In this chapter, this, this section here is kind of unique in First Peter. For, throughout the whole letter, he's really been addressing kind of Christians in general and, and uh, in the concerns that they had and the way Peter was addressing them. But here you see there's a little bit of a different tone. Peter, again, identifies himself, right, as a, as a fellow elder. And what he's doing is he's, he's appealing here now to the elders or the spiritual leaders of that church. And so what Peter's talking about here in these verses really is about spiritual leadership, how, how the, the people that God has placed in the church can lead well. And so there's three things that I want to highlight here for us. But before I do that, I need to point out, I think, the, the um, distinction, I guess, between, you know, when he says elder, what does, what does Peter mean by that? And so, first of all, we need, to, we need to talk about that. We need to distinguish between elder as an office, right, which we have here at the church. We have six elders who serve in an official, I would consider, more informal spiritual leaders that don't serve in an office but still lead spiritually. You know, there are people that God calls into positions of leadership within the church family. You know, these are our elders who serve on spiritual council. Along with pastors, God calls them to lead and guide the flock. And much of what we will talk about here today certainly applies to those individuals. But I also believe there are people who serve as spiritual leaders in a more informal capacity. You know, they may not hold an office in the church, but they certainly fit the bill as an elder as described here. They may not have a vote on spiritual counsel, but they do have a positive impact on the lives of those around him. And I wanted to start with that kind of clarification here this morning because, because when we come to a passage that says to the elders, right, some of us may just tune out and say, well, that's not for me. I certainly think that a lot of what we're going to talk about here applies to us all, some in maybe an official capacity as an elder in the church, but I think to all of us in a, to a certain capacity because we all have a part to play to lead those that God has placed around us. Think of parents and their children. We just saw family 
stand before the church family and before God promising to lead their child well in the faith. And so what we're talking about here may apply to them. There's also people that, that lead Sunday school classes and Bible studies or, or maybe informal gatherings of brothers and sisters in Christ where they can exert spiritual authority or spiritual leadership in those areas as well. So, so my encouragement to you, if you're not one of our six elders on spiritual council, don't tune out because I think there's definitely something in store for you here today as well. The other point of clarification that I think is helpful is that when scripture says elder, they're not talking about old person. Can I just be blunt about that for just a second? When the, when scripture uses the word elder, it's not primarily referring to physical age, although that's the association that we often apply to it. The word elder was obviously used in a, in a larger context than just our scriptures, right? Elder in a, in a general sense was a community leader, someone who people looked up to, someone who would often have wisdom and experience to offer in particular situations. And so when we talk about elder, we're not necessarily talking about physical age, although sometimes wisdom and experience does come with years. We're, we're primarily talking about spiritual maturity. And so when, when the scriptures talk about elder and younger, they're not necessarily talking about physical age, right? They're talking about those who are spiritually mature and those who are maybe less spiritually mature. And that doesn't mean that we're not talking about that in a negative way. You know, the reality is in our lives, there's always someone that's going to be maybe a little further along the path than you, right? Someone that you can look up to and learn from. And there's going to be someone that maybe is a, is a few steps behind you that you can help and minister to. So again, don't, don't tune out here today because we're talking about elders and, and, and that may be understood as an official position within the church. I think there's a lot for all of us to learn. And so with that being said, let's look at the three things that Peter highlights here for us about what spiritual leadership really is. And the first thing to note is that spiritual leadership is under the authority of Jesus. Peter twice here says, well, first he says it's God's flock, right? So it's important to recognize that when when he's addressing the leaders in the church, he's not saying it's your church. He's saying it's God's church, right? He's saying it's God's flock that he has entrusted to their care. Leaders in the church must remember that the church does not belong to them. It doesn't belong to the pastor. It doesn't belong to elders. It doesn't belong to consistory. It belongs to God first and foremost. And Jesus Christ is the head of the church, which means he is the one that we follow. He is the one that we look to for direction and guidance and ultimately our authority. In Ephesians 1, 22 through 23, Paul writes, and God placed all things under his speaking of Jesus, under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, right? If we are the body of Christ, Jesus is the head. Well, we, we talked about this in a Bible study recently, right? A body may be, may be able to survive when it's missing some parts. It may not function in its full capacity, right? If it's missing a hand or a leg or, or, or another non-vital, you know, part of the body. But I'll tell you what, a, a body can't survive without its head, right? A body cannot survive without the head. And the same is true for the church. We need to follow Christ. He is our head, and we need to make sure he is in that position of authority, even over our leaders, pastors, elders, and others. 
And so if this is God's flock, it also means that we all, right, including our leaders and the pastors, we are all his sheep. Scripture uses that image over and over again, right, in places like Psalm 23, Psalm 95, Psalm 103 that we read this morning, just some examples of that. Another one is Isaiah 53, which reminds us that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. See, I think, I think the idea of flock and a sheep and shepherd are such poignant examples because the reality is that sheep, they wander, right? They're not always the smartest animals, right? And they tend to get themselves in trouble if they're not cared for and watched over. They'll wander away themselves. They'll walk headfirst into danger. They'll even follow other sheep away from the shepherd. We are those sheep, right? That's why we need a shepherd. We need someone to guide us and protect us, to provide for us, to be present with us. And first and foremost, that is God, right? He is our shepherd. Christ is our head. And so we need to make sure that he is, stays in that position of authority. And so, as I said, Jesus is our chief shepherd, chief shepherd, And so elders and other spiritual leaders are are under shepherds. They work under his authority, right? So what that means is that all spiritual authority is derivative, right? All spiritual authority derives from Jesus himself. And that's important for us to understand because it means that, that spiritual leaders have authority in the church and in the lives of other believers insofar as they are deriving their authority from Jesus, I think Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, sums up this idea in very few words. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? That's, what, that's what spiritual leadership's about. Right? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In other words, as long as I'm following Jesus, as long as I'm heading in that direction, we invite others to follow along. Right? And so spiritual leadership is about, first and foremost, those spiritual leaders following Christ and inviting others to participate. And that responsibility does kind of flow in both directions, right? Leaders must make sure that they are staying on the right track. They are seeking the Lord. They are studying the word. They need to be rooted and established in love. They need to make sure that they're growing in their relationship with the Lord so that they can pour into others because you can't give what you don't have. But there's also a, a responsibility from right the flock to make sure that those that they are following, right, those that they put in those positions of leadership in a congregational church like ours, right, are the kinds of people who are following Jesus. Right? Whether that's pastor, whether it's elders, whether it's Sunday school teachers, deacons, trustees, right? We need to make sure that our leaders are seeking God themselves because they can't give what they don't have. So, so spiritual leadership first is under the authority of Jesus. Second, it follows the example of Jesus. Chapter 5, um, verses 1 through 7. He says there's three things that, that, that spiritual leaders, that elders should have. First, he says they should be willing. They need to lead or serve because they feel called, not begrudgingly or because they have to. Right, moment of... Of, of honesty here, because I've had conversations, I've been in this position before, right? How many of us have ever volunteered 
in a position in the church, whether it's on consistory or teaching Sunday school or something along those lines, because you needed to, quote, kind of do your time, right? As if serving in the church was some sort of prison sentence, right? We, we all have been there. We've all felt that way at times. We've all been in those positions. We serve sometimes begrudgingly because we have to, not because we're willing. But real spiritual leadership should, should be willing, following God's calling, God's given purpose in our lives. When we talk about calling, it's not necessarily to ministry, right? Not necessarily to leadership in the church. Every person has a calling. Every person has a purpose that God has placed on our lives. You know, but some are called to leadership in the church, and those that are must do so willingly. They should have a desire to serve because God has placed it on their heart. And it's a willingness to lead well, right? Spiritual leadership may mean at times that you need to do the hard thing. It means serving. It means, means putting other people first. It means giving your time and talent so that God may work through you and impact others. I think we had a great example of what, what willingness can accomplish, you know, from our girls' basketball team. You didn't think I'd make it through a sermon today without referencing them, did you? Right? Look at what their hard work did. They would not have made it to the state final game this weekend if they weren't willing to put in the hard work required of them. And that goes for the players and the coaches. They willingly, right, sacrifice time and energy to make it that far. And their willingness to do so, to put in that effort, made an impact far beyond the basketball court, right? And we saw that in our community these past few months. Spiritual leadership must also follow the example of Jesus and being other-centered, right? Being eager to serve, not pursuing don- dishonest gain. Unfortunately, too many leaders in our world are, are, are in it for themselves, whether that's in the church at times or in other institutions, Right? People are in leadership positions not to serve, but to further their own cause or their own position. But leaders in our church must be other-centered. They must be willing to serve. Mark 9:35, Jesus told the twelve, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So, so leaders must be willing to serve others. They must also be willing to look after other people's interests instead of their own. In other words, put other people's priorities first. Be willing to sacrifice your own position for the good of others. And the third example that we see here is what I would call humble leadership, right? Leading by example, not lording it over people or being a domineering leader. In Matthew 20, there's this interesting exchange between Jesus and his disciples, Right, James and John, these two brothers, they, they, wanted to, they wanted to sit at Jesus' right and left hand in glory. And Jesus uses that time to remind the disciples that, that leadership in God's kingdom is not like, not like leadership elsewhere, where Gentiles lord it over the people that they have authority over. Instead, we're called to serve. We're called because the first will be last. Right? We're called to, to be the servant. Whoever wants to be greatest must be the servant of all people. And again, we see that in the example that is described here about, about God's flock, about being shepherds, right? Shepherds lead from within, right? Shepherds are among the sheep, right? They lead from the flock. They set that example and they care for the flock from within. And that's what spiritual leaders should do. 
The idea of do as I say, not as I do is a terrible model for Christian leadership, right? Instead, we have the model of Jesus who in John 13 at the, the Last Supper, right, knelt down and washed his disciples' feet as an act of service, the job that nobody else wanted to have. And when he did so, what did he tell them? He said, now that I have served you, now that I, your master and your teacher, have done this for you, now you are to go and do likewise. Right? That's the call of spiritual leadership, to serve like Jesus served. And finally, last, this one's maybe more implied than it is stated in the in the ver, in the verses but I think it flows out of Matthew or excuse me out of 1 Peter 5 1 through 7 spiritual leadership is for the good of the sheep Peter here talks about the flock being entrusted to the care of the spiritual leaders in other words God places elders pastors or other spiritual leaders in his flock to care for them right they are to be the hands and feet of Christ if he is the chief shepherd then spiritual leaders are placed in the flock in order to care for those that have been entrusted to them. Leadership then should always be for the good of the flock, to encourage them, to edify them. Yes, at times to correct them because maybe they, like Isaiah 53 says, the, the sheep are starting to wander. But spiritual leadership should always be done for the good of the flock to make sure that they are always heading towards Christ. That's why he closes out this section to talk about humility and and casting our cares on the Lord, right? He says, humble yourselves before God and others. And again, I talked about that dynamic between younger and elder, right? Not primarily a, a reference to physical age. He's mainly talking about spiritual maturity here. The younger who may be less spiritually mature, right, should be looking up to the elders as examples and role models. 2 Timothy 2, 2 says, This is Paul speaking to Timothy. He says, The things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people that you will also be qualified to teach others. Now, in that one verse, there's four generations of disciples being made. Paul says, Look, I've heard it from other people. I'm now passing it on to you, and you're supposed to go pass it on to others. Do you catch that? Four generations of disciples being made. As I said before, there's always someone further along the path than you, and there's always someone maybe a few steps behind. And the question for you today is, who are those people in your life? Whether you're an official elder in this church or not, right? Who are those people in your life? Who's your Paul and who's your Timothy? Who's someone that you look up to, respect, and learn from? Who's your Timothy, someone that you can invest in and disciple? Right? Who are those people in your life? Because we should all have at least a name or two that pops in our head that we can look to, that we can learn from, and that we can encourage ourselves. And we're supposed to have humility towards God and towards each other. I believe humility is key to fostering healthy Christian leadership and community. We're called to humble ourselves toward one another as a way to express our humility towards God. Philippians 2 is a great passage because it reminds us that that we should not be looking out for our own interests, but each of us should be looking out for the interests of others. Right? That's what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? It's, it's putting others' needs ahead of your own. And finally, and I will wrap up with this, he says to cast our anxiety on God because he cares for us. 
right? One of the roles, one of the very important roles of spiritual leadership is to lead hurting and weary people to Jesus. The flock needs rest. It seems that people today need that, perhaps now more than in recent memory. And yes, we need leaders to change who will invite us to find rest and comfort for our souls in Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in closing, I just want to say this. People, right, the flock, we need to look up to and trust the leaders that God has placed in our lives, both the official ones and maybe the more informal ones, and to follow their example. Pray for them because it's not an easy job. And leaders, again, official and informal leaders, we need to love the people that God has entrusted to us. Put their interests ahead of your own. Serve them. And yes, pray for them too. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We do thank you for the, the spiritual leaders that you have placed in our lives, both the, the official ones, Lord, that you have called to serve in this church. We thank you for them and their, and their leadership. And also, Lord, those informal ones that we all know and have experienced throughout our lives. We pray that you would equip them and empower them to serve you and that you would help us all, Lord, to learn from their example what it means to follow you and love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service today. I invite you, if you're able, to stand. We're going to sing hymn number 277, The Church's One Foundation.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.